W-O-Z-O-L-P, Knoxville. W-O-Z-O-L-P, Knoxville. 103.9 FM, Knoxville. Just in case you're a fed or, or a narc and uh, you want to tell on me if I don't do a legal ID and uh, you W-O-Z-O comes to justify our sins to unmask the conspiracy and to get us back the slack they stole away hey what's up what's up this is Chuck D talking to you about power real power the power that you have now you might not believe that you have it but you do what is power? can you feel it? see it? hear it? nah but you know it's real when it's against you. You're the same way. You gotta let them know that you're real. You gotta exercise your right to vote and let them represent you. So let them feel you. Let them feel your power. Vote. What's up, Black? How you? All right. Do your thing. Vote. We're gonna leave that alone. But the thing is, many people of color's great-grandparents and grandparents, they didn't have that door open to them. It was closed. They didn't have the ability. So the Supreme Court is saying essentially, okay, well, everything's cool now. The playing field has gone from vertical to level and basically a generation. And though in every other aspect of our society, we see oppression and no signs of a meritocracy. It's a capitalist system that benefits the wealthy and the powerful, a class-based system, a wealth-based system. But now it's all good, baby. It's all good. And, um, but one of the prime advantages, which is clearly evident about getting into schools because your grandparents got into that school and your parents, we're not going to touch that. We'll just leave that right here for you. And think about it. Whose interest does that lie in? Whose interest does that lie in? And it, again, as the AI told us, disruption of privilege, reduce access and competition, political representation. That was, that was just further evidence. We've seen it now. I mean, the Supreme Court has taken off its clown suit, and we see what it's become, um, which is pimps for the oligarchs, the wealthy, the 1%. Uh, they control of women's bodies when they killed Roe v. Wade. They're just running a bulldozer over precedent in all this, by the way. And many of these conservative judges sat in front of Congress and said, Oh, all of them. You can go YouTube it. They said, oh, we're going to respect precedent, baby. We're going to precedent. Precedent is the flag they wrapped themselves up in like a burrito when they went through the confirmation process. And now they're running over precedent like a dang bulldozer. And who keeps benefiting across the board? What happened today with sort of limiting and allowing discrimination now legally against the LGBTQIA, forget Latigua, the Latigua community. Um, the attack of women to decide for themselves and let the state decide what they do with their body and their reproductive health. Every aspect of what we're seeing is the Supreme Court clipping and tailoring and carefully cutting away the rights of citizens for the benefit of the well. And it just happens to line up perfectly. Again, it circles back up. And that is one of my next questions that I'll bring up when I grab this microphone. Uh, when I ask what is, are the symptoms of a pre-revolutionary democracy, and that's just another institution. And in the Aristotelian sense, um, that leads eventually – and I'm not advocating revolution. I'm just stating it. It's uh, Aristotle wrote in the Athenian Constitution that revolution is part of the democratic cycle. All the architects of the Constitution were very much aware of, aware of, well of this. Where are well? Where are aware? Well, let's try to go for that. They were all aware of this. And just pointing out the symptoms doesn't make me a cheerleader necessarily, but – 
And I actually ask the AI program what were some of these symptoms, and we'll circle back to that. So I have a lot of stuff to go through tonight. Um, I'm in town, and um, let's play some music. I do like to break it up, but then we've got two other AI questions to go through. I have the, of course, the favorite part of my show, public service announcements. I got some smack talk against Christopher Columbus. All new, glorified, razor-sharp Christopher Columbus smack talk, as I know all my listeners demand. But let's get going. Uh, this is the Hamilton mixtape. Uh, immigrants, we get the job done, and then we'll be right back at it. This is WOZO 103.9 LPFM. You can find us at wozoradio.com. We're available in the TuneIn application. We are and remain your radio station, the People's Radio. People. Job done. 
immigrants, we don't like that. Nah, they don't play. British Empire strikes back. They're beating us like 808s and hi-hats. Our own game of invasion. This ain't Iraq. Who these Fugees? What do they do for me? But contribute new dreams, taxes, and tools, swagger, and food to eat. Who they flee war zones, but the problem ain't ours. Even if our bombs landed on them like the Mayflower. Buckingham Palace, a Capitol Hill. Blood of my ancestors had that all built With an inky print on your dollar bill Oil you spill, thin red line on the flag You hoist when you kill, but still we just say Look how far I come Hindustan, Pakistan, London. To a galaxy far from their ignorance Cause immigrants, we get the job done por tierra o por agua, identidad falsa Brincamos muros o flotamos en balsa La peleamos como Sandino en Nicaragua Somos como las plantas que crecen sin agua Sin pasaporte americano Porque la mitad de Gringolandia es terreno mexicano Hay que ser bien hijo de puta Nosotros les sembramos el árbol y ellos se comen la fruta Somos los que cruzaron Aquí vinimos a buscar el oro que nos robaron Tenemos más trucos que la policía secreta Metimos la casa completa en una maleta Con un pico, una pala y un rastrillo Te construimos un castillo Como es que dice el coro, cabrón Immigrants, we get the job done Look how far I come Look how far I come Look how far I come We get the job done Look how far I come Interesting note, historically, one of the first targets of all would-be fascist tin whore dictators, it's always the immigrants they go after. It's always the immigrants. It's like a symptom of the fascist disease. Dis-ease. That was the Hamilton mixtape, Immigrants. And just like that, it's over. Turn my audio levels down just a tad. Black and white soldiers wonder alike if this really means freedom. Not yet. This is WOZO. I'm going to read to you. Oh, wait. I got to let this go all the way to the end. The Hamilton mixtape, Immigrants, We Get the Job Done. Alright, I got a lot queued up for you all. Generally at the radio station, this is when there is a power fluctuation that wipes out 30 minutes worth of work getting ready for this. But so far, so good. So... Uh, this is a essay, The Call for Alternative Response in Knoxville, The City Co-Ops, The City Plan. This is by Amani Shuela, and uh, she's a guest columnist. This was published in Knox News. In 2020, a community-based group of direct actors and directly impacted people responded to the horror of police violence the world witnessed. The response was familiar to community members who'd been directly affected and those with years of experience in correlating fields of work. Uh, with business as usual in Knoxville, the city co-opted the idea and a co-response team was implemented. Uh, co-opting is not new. In fact, it's regularly done by some politicians, usually to a rival. When we look at it in these terms, why would city officials co-opt the ideas of community members? Why would they not instead want to build and engage with the community instead of treating it as a rival? It makes one, and this is about Knox, Knoxville. 
It makes one wonder why elected officials have this privileged entitlement to assume just because they were elected, they no longer need the input and cooperation of all community members and seek support only from those they find beneficial. If building trust in the community was a priority of this administration, the city administration, Amelia Parker and the community, when Amelia Parker and the community presented a solution to the city, one would assume city leaders would embrace and applaud the efforts of everyday community members who took the, their time to prioritize the safety of every person who lives, works, and does business and vacations in Knoxville without exception. As the world witnessed the agonizing death of Lisa Edwards, whose only request was for help, 40 times, uh, we find ourselves in the same place we had before. On May 30th, community members at the city council meeting called for an alternative response team that did not include the Knoxville Police Department. People from all sides of the aisles, all walks of life, came together and agreed and cried out that with the death of Lisa Edwards that it should have never happened and could have been prevented. And ultimately, this situation should never happen again. This community left that meeting uplifted and encouraged that everyone, including the city council, wanted a solution and was ready to find a way forward. To the dismay of all and the disgust of others, however, Knoxville was again back to politics as usual. Community members in Hart were notified that Councilman Andrew Roberto had crafted a separate resolution to be introduced at the city council meeting on June 27th, and he had several co-sponsors. His resolution was written without the collaboration of the community that initially brought the issue to the city council. It also excludes community input altogether. Community calls for harm reduction have been overshadowed by his focus on a long-term psychiatric hospital that does not address the immediate need of the most vulnerable in our city. Essentially, Roberto's resolution perfectly demonstrates why the community distrusts this government. Instead of collaborating with the community members who took the time to create a solution that would add resources to keep their community, friends, and families safe, he essentially co-opted the idea. He decided to use his power, position of power to try to silence the voices of those of heart uh, of the matter. Some people are so far removed from the issue they don't have the compassion and can support, cannot support those who are already directly impacted on the ground working on solutions. Whether this is a political play for a position to run for higher office or just plain disregard, the people of Knoxville need to remember this moment. Remember when you go to the polls. Remember when you think of Lisa's family and all the people who need an immediate alternative path to safety. Remember that those in power and how they decided to work with or exclude the community. Everyone deserves to be safe. It shouldn't depend on your political party or socioeconomic status. And we know that the people closest to the problems are closest to the solutions. And Amani is a community organizer and part of Community Defense of East Tennessee. And are one of our DJs. <laughs> and um, has been on the air at the station many, many times. This ran on Knox News. Basically, it's just business as usual. I actually stumbled into the um, Metropolitan Planning Commission meeting, which is kind of like the zoning. They literally decide where buildings are going to go and how Knoxville is going to build and move forward. And there I counted. There were 22 people up on that stage making these vital uh, decisions. 
And how many of them were color of color? You know, it's black, Hispanic, not 10, not 9, not 8, not 7 out of 22, not 6, not 5, not 4, not 3, not 2, not even 1. I have been to counter Klan rallies downtown where we protested the KKK and Nazis that had more people of color than what I saw on the Metropolitan Planning Commission. And it kind of took me aback. I wrote about it, and a lot of community members were like, well, duh, Chris. Yeah, that's the problem is that – and now I'm seeing these signs up everywhere you know, for – and what's creepy is one of the people that's on there, he's, he's running saying, hey, you know, what I've been telling businesses, it's just only win, only win. And when I was at the Metropolitan Planning Commission meeting, they had, um, they were, every time citizens came with concerns about development, 100% while I was there, they rolled against citizens every single time in favor of developers and the contractors. And you look and you see why. In that room, it was a bunch of mainly white, rich people, middle class, upper middle class. They had money. And everybody on the stage was from that same Farragut, West Knoxville, white. They had taken the steering wheel. And it's all one big country club. And they make a big to-do. We don't get paid to be up here. You mean you don't get paid directly, but ain't none of those people sitting on the stage up there not benefiting somehow from that position because the um, – and we see all these signs. We have got to get control of our community government here because the consequences – it's like our air quality control board. They're basically pimps for air pollution. They don't issue – I've been going through their notes. They're not accessible to the public. They don't issue the – they're not doing anything. When it come because who's doing the polluting? Companies, corporations. It impacts our lives on so many levels. You know, an argument could be made that we'll never have any. And I, I rage against the machine a great deal about national government, how it's been hijacked by the wealthy, the one percent, and it's a class caste based system. But we can't forget that that's permeated all the way down here to our city government. It's the same. It's they. It's they were, do not reflect the interest of the people of Knoxville. They represent the interest of their class, their caste, and that's why it's so important to have some voices that aren't simply rich white people. <laughs> if you looked at our power structure in the city, you would think, well, you know, rich white people just must be smarter. <laughs> they just must be. They're just better people because they seem to have control of everything everything and um and then to see imani point out this sort of kung political kung fu hijacking warping and bending and it's just because that's a well-oiled machine for those folks and um i don't know the solution i think that we you know more people running for office against these fools calling them out for what they are their voting records it's all at public knowledge but anyway, if you want to read that article, you can find it at knoxnews.com. All right, let's uh, – I'll throw in a song. I'll try – I've got so much to go through tonight, including this lovely AI stuff, that I'm just going to bounce, do a song, do a song, do a song. Um, blah, 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 blah. What do I got queued up next here? Ooh, this is Enzo Overthinker, People's Radio. A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So, 
he loses touch with reality and lives in a world of illusions. By thoughts, I mean specifically chatter in the skull, perpetual and compulsive repetition of words, of reckoning and calculating. I'm not saying that thinking is bad. Like everything else, it's useful in moderation. A good servant, but a bad master. And all so-called civilized peoples have increasingly become crazy and self-destructive because through excessive thinking they have lost touch with reality. That's to say, we confuse science the real world. would have rather money than tangible wealth and a great occasion is somehow spoiled for us unless photographed and to read about it the next day in the newspaper is oddly more fun for us than the original event this is a disaster for as a result of confusing the real world of nature with mere signs, we are destroying nature. We are so tied up in our minds that we've lost our senses. Time to wake up. What is reality? Obviously, no one can say because it isn't words. It isn't material, that's just an idea. Reality is... live. We need to survive, to go on. We must go on. That is Alan Watts. I used to do a show from about Mr. Watts on Sunday. 
and he had so much stuff online that I sustained that show. I think I did it for like six months. Also an amazing rock Let's climber. Let's suppose that you were able every night. No, 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 no. We'll stop that. And more on what you're listening to, WOZO 103.9 LPFM. I know I was going to bring some AI, but I got to take a quick shot at Columbus here. This is just an essay I picked up. Columbus died in 1505 at the age of 55. He was such a monster that the king and queen of Spain refused to invite him to the kingdom after his voyage to the Americas because how evil he was during his financed expedition. Word spread fast about how he and his men raped and tortured and murdered the indigenous people in the Caribbean islands. He became a pariah. He had to flee Genova, Italy, because he raped a 13-year-old girl. Yo, hey, I got some, what's going on here? I've got so many screens open, you'll forgive me if I... A person who thinks all the time. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder, Alan. All right, where was he? He became a pariah. He, a pariah. he had to flee to Genova because he raped a 13-year-old girl and hid in Spain, where he was broke and bedridden and finally died while his relatives shunned him from the public uh, due to the unthinkable acts he did while at sea. When he died, he was never recognized as an explorer or discoverer of the new world. He was thought of as, quote, a gross character with gonorrhea who butchered kids. That's how his contemporaries thought of him. Many years later, when settlers were colonizing North America, they needed a white hero to name as the person who discovered the land to justify their colonization and mistreatment of Native Americans. So they randomly chose Cristofo Colombo because he had the, his name had Christ in it, and it made it sound more European and Christian. They changed his name to Christopher Columbus, even though he never stepped foot on American soil. Then school started teaching it. The rest is history. But the truth is he never discovered anything. He was lost and ended up in a chain of islands. Uh, he was thought he thought he was in India. He massacred peaceful island civilizations. He murdered men, women, and kids. He tortured and raped. He brought new diseases to each island he invaded, and giving this monster a holiday is insane. Insane. We know better, and now we can do better. And the thing is, I've actually read uh, Christopher Columbus his actual notes. And he is damned by his own world words. He writes of taking as a reward for his sailors and strapping an indigenous girl to the mask for them to take turns with. He was a monster in every sense of the word. So in a way, putting him in the face of the colonialism and occupation of the Americas that happened afterwards, in a disease-sick sort of way, you could say, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is actually kind of appropriate that you made him the masthead figure for the slaughter and genocide of natives in this country. Anyway, uh, we're going to get back to the AI in a second. I'm just going to keep going, bouncing back and forth. But I found this footnote about Christopher Columbus, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to go in the air. Uh, I'm going to do three tracks. I'm going to do three different versions of which side are you on, starting with my favorite, Hazel Dickens. And then I've got some Pete Seeger. And then I think I've got some, what's this other one? A Rebel Diaz, Dead Prez, and Raikai Irisites. We're going to do three versions. This is which side are you on? Then I'll be back. This is WOZO, and I am your burnt out, extra crusty Lord Fader, anarcho DJ at large. United, we stand. 
Hazel basically sings songs that says, look, the rich folks are getting richer and the folks down below aren't sharing enough in that. It's a basic uh, message that the people we represent and see every day care a lot more about the supermarket than the stock market. And I think it's more true today than ever. step in real briefly on that uh while that was playing that was hazel dickens which side are you on they showed a um video of the coal miner strike in virginia i think it was in wise county where they occupied and took over for weeks uh the coal mining uh, the facility and um jesse jackson came there it was a big deal well i was there with my fellow earth firstians uh, we were fighting the timber cells in the area and this miner named otis shows up and Otis was actually in the middle of all that organizing and saw all of us tree huggers putting up platforms up in the trees, training for civil disobedience, locking, practicing locking ourselves down. And he was home. The, the, him, he immediately and his wife and his buddies that had taken part of the mining strike immediately saw what we were doing and felt kinship and brought us into their homes. And I noticed when I was at his place, he had a lot of radio equipment, communication gear. We got to sort of peek into the, the end of that, the, that organization and the community, and it really was a community. And I think it's really important for us to remember that, especially in Appalachia, because we're privileged to have such a long, rich history of resistance and struggle here. And during these dark post-pre-revolutionary democracy times, I think it's really important for us to remember those traditions of resistance and struggle and that that side of the equation. Because the oligarchs, the 1%, they want to tell us that never happened and people never organized. But the truth is the largest labor uprising in the history of North America happened in Appalachia, the uprising of 34. The union movements came out of Appalachia. There's a long history of protest and struggle, and it's reflected even though 
it didn't make it into a lot of the textbook history. It's it permeates our music and songs, and we got to remember that past and the people whose shoulders we stand on that fought. And Hazel Dickens was part of that. All right, so I'm with that. I'm going to do um, this is Pete Seeger's version. Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County There are no neutrals there You'll either be a union man Or a thug for J.H. Blair Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Son, he'll be with you, fellow workers, until this battle's won. Tell me which side are you on? Which side are you on? Sing it! Which side are you on? Which side are you on? stand it tell me how you can will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man which side are you on which side are you on tell me which side are you on which side are you on Prisons is filling, they trying to lock up the future Militarized borders and control of computers Want a stupid bump of music that ain't healthy for the shortest Privatizing schools and policemen in the hallways Can't be dormant, I'm a woke 
rise up, be ready. Brought the family with us, and we hold the machetes. Riding the fence, riding the fence. Too many people be riding the fence. Yeah, you say you ready for war, but are you convinced? I'm not convinced. If you're a rider, freedom fighter, crowd excited, then let's do this. We can make one big united middle finger to the U.S. Give me the bravest and the truest. Fuck the hippest and the coolest. We gon' spark this revolution and cross this off our to-do list. Put your foot down if you look down on this criminal system. Put your book down and get shook down like my niggas in prison. Don't be condemning it. I guess because it's raining. You're listening to WOZO 103.9 LPFM. All right, let's get right back at it. Today's second question to my AI masters. How does increasing student debt help oligarchs maintain their control in a democracy? As a quick reminder, I have gotten a little bit overboard on AI technology as of late. And I've just been scrambling through all the free apps. And like some of them will give me, it's like the Oracle, the Delphi. I'll get like three questions and then the paywalls pop up. And then I'll try, I was using um, Write Cream. That was really interesting. And just playing around and I'll download, I'll erase the program after I paywall, pull up another one. I found one that puts out commercials. And I've been able to sort because what I'll do is I'll ask several AIs the same question and they thrive on detail. And some range from being glorified versions of Google, much very good versions of Google to uh, just honest answers really quick. And so I've got a series of, these are my questions, three questions that I asked today. This is the second question. How does increasing student debt 
help oligarchs maintain control in a democracy. And this is what the artificial intelligence responded to a few hours ago. Increasing student debt can contribute to maintaining control of a democracy by creating financial dependencies and perpetuating social and economic inequities. Here are some ways in which this may occur. 1. Economic burden. High levels of student debt place significant financial burden on individuals, making it challenging to invest in other areas such as starting a business, home ownership, or saving for retirement. This economic burden keeps many individuals dependent on employment and a stable income, thus making them less likely to challenge the status quo and the interest of the oligarchs. 2. Postpone political activism. Student debt can also delay or discourage graduates from engaging in political activism or dissent due to a need to prioritize immediate financial concerns. Oligarchs may benefit from a politically inactive or disengaged population as it minimalizes opposition or pressure to address issues that may disrupt their control and interest. 3. Limited control cho uh, career choices. High levels of student debt can push graduates into accepting jobs solely based on financial considerations rather than pursuing their passions or engaging in activities that challenge the existing power structure. This limits opportunities for individuals to enter professions with potential for social and political change, thereby reinforcing the existing power dynamics. 4. Intergenerational inequity. By burdening the younger generations with high levels of debt, the oligarchs perpetuate intergenerational inequity, uh, inequality. But uh, this uh, inequality can create a divide between the older and younger generations, making it harder for the younger population to challenge the existing power structure as they are preoccupied with managing their student loans and struggle to accumulate wealth. Five, attenuated civic engagement. In addition, the focus on debt repayment can result in reduced civic engagement, including decreased participation in political campaigns, community initiatives, and voting. This reduced civic engagement weakens democracy, creating a more fertile environment for the oligarchs to maintain control without significant scrutiny or opposition. Uh, it, says, it is important to note that while increasing student debt may indirectly contribute to maintaining control of a democracy, the relationship between oligarchs and student debt is complex and multifaceted, influenced by other factors such as lobbying powers, economic policies, and overall political landscape. And then also one of the other AIs, what it kicked up to me was that a lot of the wealthy, the oligarchs, uh, through their capitalization of the educational system, their hijacking of it, making it up, turning everybody into basically their making another way for them to make money, they're getting paid this, the interest on these financial loans, which is stacked way up. And there's no comparison between loans and how expensive college has gotten. And it's just sad to me in a democracy when I'm driving down Highway 40 and I see that billboard, student debt, afraid of student debt. We have citizens among the poor. I mean, if you're rich, it's just your mommy and daddy pay for it. Mommy and daddy, so you don't have that on you. It's the poor and the middle class that are groaning under the weight of all the student loan debt. And, of course, here comes uh, the Supreme Court, which is now a captured agency, a little barking dog for the interests of the wealthy and the oligarchs. And they say, oh, yeah, you can't even get a smidgen of relief from that. We want you on that hamster wheel because it suits their class interest. Coincidentally, it's right in line with their interest and the oligarchs class interest. 
and to keep people in debt. It keeps you to, to create, present an image. It's like a ha- capitalist hamster wheel. It keeps the hamsters running, hamsters running and running and running and running to generate that sweet, sweet bioelectricity for the wealthy and the powerful. But also fundamentally, the oligarchs don't want people with critical thinking skills. That's the true thought crime in this capitalist caste system we're trapped into. People with, you think that they would, they, they whacked, um, uh, Socrates in Greece for questioning things, he would have been in prison in America in a heartbeat. Because people with critical thinking skills, they hear hate radio and they're just like, they can hear the logical fallacies, the falsehoods, the bald statements as if they were fact, and it just comes unglued. They, the, it's not in the interest. If with people with critical thinking skills start looking around, they take, they put on the goggles. Uh, remember the consume, uh, they live. They put on the they live glasses, which is what that was really a metaphor for. That's what education is. It strips us of these illusions and bad logic, and an educated citizenry is a forearmed citizenry against fascism. Of course, they don't want people to have access to education. What's sad is that while all the other European and Western democracies are doing everything they can to encourage and to finance their citizenry to get more higher education, there are economic benefits to that. While America, they're making it so expensive that it's even more of a head start if mommy and daddy are part of the oligarchs and they have lots of money. And you can walk out without any debt because they already have the money, the institutional money, then you're free. It's another way of locking up the best and the brightest are people who just simply want, but also minimalizing. You don't want cheap, readily available, solid education available to a populace that you want to be citizens. No, you do want them if you want to be citizens. Instead, they want us to all just be worker bots so we can keep generating that sweet, sweet bioelectricity. And that completely makes sense. We saw how hate radio and the right wing and faux news for decades have been demonizing education. Of course they do. Of course they do. The ivory tower attacks and just this constant attack. And then also we're seeing these state bills that are being passed to control that as much as they can. Well, you can't, you can't discriminate about who comes to speak on the campus. You got to be wise. You you can't decide. You can't choose. You can't evaluate. You can't weigh. You can't measure. You can't think about. It's just counter-educational. But that's just, that was from the cold-blooded AI that I asked today. And again, some of the factors, the five that were listed as that maintains, that helps the oligarchs maintain control of a democracy, economic burden, postponed political activism, limited career choices, intergenerational inequity, attenuated civic engagement. One, two, three, four, five. And it took this AI less time to respond than it did for me to write. The next question that I'll come up with after I play some more music is, um, today's AI question, what are the symptoms of a pre-revolutionary democracy? Uh, anyway, you're listening to WOZO 103.9 LPFM. And um, I hope people are hearing this. 
I did a show like a, a minute ago. I did a show and it was like one of my best shows ever. I was raging against the machine. It was amazing. And then I found out it had only gone out online. The FM was down. So I just, I'm just sitting here. I, I'm happy if it's just me, but I hope some people are hearing this. This is the people's radio. I'm going to play a little bit of gangster grass. This is the circle. Will the circle be unbroken? I found gangster grass, my last show. And, uh, it's, I love. I love the fusion. The old traditional song. Listening to the People's Radio, WOZO and LPFM. I am your burnout, extra crusty anarcho DJ Lord Fader. 
back sipping on your bottles of James. All I'm dying pizza to you is to give this blade and go deep. Deeper than the beer sister, get paid. Get blazed in the shade, off get laid. Like a 20 sack, bring it back in the black. Realize days when I lit the track with a splash. Vote blaster, blasted disaster. Faster proportions for the masters, the universal. Cash carries over to the verses. To it verse for the verses of verses you earn too. Start truth, learn by discern you. So it burns you to turn to the slew for the proof. Get a little sharper in the tooth from the root. Bring it in the booth or catch the boot from the root. Come on. That was Gangsta Grass.
Antifa boogeyman coming to steal your MAGA flag. Where are we? This is the People's Radio, WOZO 103.9 LPFM.
I think every small town in East Tennessee should have an LPFM. We could use more here in Knoxville. That's not outside of the realm of possibility. Uh, let's get back into more music. You're listening to WOZO 103.9 LPFM. I am Lord Fader. Lord Fader. 